Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It's June the 10th, 2017. It is good to be with you this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, this week has been groundbreaking to say the least. As this week we had simultaneous attacks in Tehran. You'll take note that it was just a very short while ago, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I myself told you that beyond any shadow of a doubt, the intelligence agencies were going to get involved just like we always do. And sure enough, this week it happened. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you also take note that As of today, the special forces from the United States are also joining in the battle in Marui in the Philippines. Absolutely off the charts. We are meddling everywhere. When you take a look out across the globe, it seems like no one is immune to the signs. Take note this week, uh, out in a very exclusive community that surrounds Lake Tahoe, of course. They've encountered an earthquake swarm, and not only that, they come out to say that uh, it's not out of the ordinary. Let me just read a little bit from this article. In the last 48 hours, there have been three dozen earthquakes, the largest being 3.74, and the smallest being about 1.0 in the area between Granderville and Topaz Lake. This is the nature of earthquakes, it was reported. There are ebbs and flows. Earthquakes happen this way. A sequence goes on for a while. Mammoth Lakes, California, Hawthorne, Nevada, have had several dozen earthquakes over the past few months. 35 in Mammoth Lakes and almost 55 in Hawthorne just this week. Really? Really? This is all normal. Ladies and gentlemen, check yourself. Things are going farther off the rails the farther we go alone. Massive bird kills this week. Seabirds continue, as of today, to wash up dying on Cape Cod beaches. The Contra River literally had Thousands of dead fish wash up this very week. Brian has brought to your attention how many times? Watch India, watch India. Well, this week, a massive earth crack developed Sunday morning, June 4th, in the Indian state of Manipur, and is widening with every passing hour. 
This crack is huge. It's huge. Almost in unison with what happened this week today in the Senate, as the United States Senate unanimously voted 90 to 0, calling on Trump to move the U.S. Embassy to the cup of trembling. Is everything as it should be, ladies and gentlemen? Are you safe and cozy? You know, the Lord your God has instructed you that the end would come like a flood. The only real question is, are you going to sink, swim, or tread water? That's the question you need to be asking yourself right now. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the End Time Tribune this week. It is good to be with you. Let's get Clinton on the air real quick. And uh, Clinton, why don't you give us an update? How you been doing this week? Uh, what you been keeping your eyes on? Uh, tell everybody what's uh, been on your plate this week, and uh, please include any broadcast that you did separate from the End Time Tribune, if you would please. And, and everything is uh, moving very, very quickly. Um, you know, I mean, most recently, um, you know, there was a broadcast that was put on the Diligent Watchman, uh, which is, uh, you know, adjacent to the broadcast that we have here, um, talking about the importance of making sure that during this time that we are actually um, providing support and encouragement to each other. Um, and I think that that is very, very important as we grow. And that is one aspect of, of the uh, Diligent Watchman broadcast that was on there, and I think it's, it's worth it to look into. Um, from a global scale, what's happening uh, in Qatar, uh, what's happening in Iran, what's happening in Turkey, what's going on within our own government, and then the sale of a European bank for one euro. Um, there's, there's a lot of crazy thing happening all at, at one time, and it's, it's getting to where it's uh, uh, getting very interesting to kind of watch what's going on. Definitely. Definitely uh, interesting. That is one word that you could use, uh, most certainly. Brian, jump in here. Uh, give everybody an update. How you been doing this week? What you been looking into, man? Oh, this week's been a rather interesting uh, week, I would have to say. Some stuff in the beginning of the week I had to deal with personally, which on top of it led to once again, led to a whole lot more eye-opening uh, things that actually tie quite deeply into the, uh, well, the, I'd say the uh, Babylon incident, or to restate that, the United States and everything we're seeing in the geopolitical context. I also ended up having a rather uh, interesting little event that played out earlier in the week that led to... The fact of something we told everybody to keep an eye out for, and uh, this was a certain group coming in the back door with Iran, and sure enough, this week it did happen, and with all the saber rattling that's been going on, the events in Qatar, just across the board, uh, we've literally seen what we've been warning people for months to even years about to keep an eye out for the next move when he go, when the Assyrian himself moves into action. So, and with that, I ended up putting together a whole string of blogs documenting this with forces from him will arise, going through and showing each and little uh, bitty detail in there and kind of making it uh, follow the bread trail with the biblical verses in there and not really much explanation because I think it's pretty much self-explanatory, but that's where the audio is going to help people understand what's happening here. So that's that. Um, that's been my week. Um, let me I'll mention here quickly too, you know, folks, I did not point this out with all the chaos and the confusion we have taking place in the world right now. At first glance, none of these things make sense, but when we examine biblical prophecy for what God's word says, and we zoom out and we keep looking at it again and again and again in context of all these events that are happening worldwide, they do begin to come into clarity. 
And sometimes it even takes us getting back to the table over and over and over again and reevaluating, re-looking at prophecy, looking at what's happening in the world so that we can see it more clearly ourselves. So with that said, I'll hand the, uh, hand the show back over to you guys for the time. All right, Brian, I'm going to take a, take a swat at things uh, here. Myself, I'll be the first one up to play this time. I usually uh, take the rumble seat tonight. I think I'll take the driver's seat. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just this week, um, I've been waiting for people to start talking uh, about the economic crash that's going to come out in a Renowned expert, well, he is a billionaire, so that qualifies him to be an expert, Jim Rogers, came out this week, and he said something very definitive. He said that this was going to crash sometime this year, the next year, latest, and on top of that, he said, write it down. What's even more troubling is during the this interview… Ladies and gentlemen, he said that he's already moved to Asia, and all of his children are going to speak Mandarin. I should have all your attention. Now there's something that I'm going to share with you personally. You can scan, do searches, all that you would like to, but the information I'm about ready to give you, you can get it right here, and that's where the buck stops. So you might want to get a pencil… And a pencil and a piece of paper, and write this down. I'm going to tell you about a magical chapter in the Bible that pertains directly to Revelation, the fifth chapter, and the sealed scroll. When you know the Hebraic Bible source code, which is the Masoretic, coupled with the Delich New Testament, when you understand that. God wrote the Bible. Out of one side of his mouth came the Hebrew. That never had Arabic numerals in it. Not ever. It doesn't have one, twos, and threes. Not ever. This is also why out of the other side of his mouth, he gave us the Greco Bible source code, which is the Septuagint coupled with the Edito Regia manuscript. When you know that, you realize that every word is also an integer. It is a sum. When you know that and you peer into the Bible source code and look for that exact phraseology, a sealed scroll, it of course comes up multiple times in Jeremiah, the 32nd chapter. When you know alphanumerics and you can look at it as a biblical mechanic does, it's going to stand out to you like a sore thumb. Because literally the year 5778 is impregnated all throughout it. Now, there's only one other chapter in the entire Bible that has that exact Hebrew phraseology of a sealed scroll. I won't talk about that right now. But let us consider this. Okay? Remember that in the Hebrew code, 
as per the book of Ezekiel, there is a measure, and then there is a royal measure. And in the Hebrew language, there are five letters that if they appear at the end of a word, they are given a greater value. That's what's called the royal measure. Take note. That the year 5778 is in verse 34, and it's also in verse 8. Now, on top of that, this year, Hebraically speaking, comprises on our calendar a portion, actually exactly 100 days in 2017. The remainder is in 2018. So it's roughly just about a quarter, you might say, in 2017 and three quarters in 2018. When I peer into that text, I can see, using the royal measure, there in verse 43, sure enough, a singular time in this chapter is the sum 2017. The next thing I do as a biblical mechanic when I look at this chapter, well, logic would dictate that the Lord my God of 5778, an increasingly number of times for 2018 in this chapter. And that he does. Now in the royal count, 2018 appears in verse 3, verse 9, verse 17, verse 20, and verse 32, and I'm wondering to myself if now the sign that is going to appear in the heavens this year in 2017, don't you realize that this is how the year 5778 gets kicked off? That's how it begins. Take note. That the particular sign in the heaven that occurs, I've already produced a video of that, of exactly what type of crown is placed on the woman's head. I wonder if everybody knows that this sign is wondrous in its event that it occurs in the evening and in the morning. You see, on this particular day, you have to realize that the evening stars that will be marked off at this time will, of course, be the birth of the king star, Jupiter. But in the morning, there will be three morning stars. So really, you have to watch this sign appear over the course of the night. Perhaps then you will know. Perhaps then you will understand. Perhaps that is why the other chapter that contains that Hebrew phrase, sealed scroll, is in that other chapter that I didn't tell you. I want you to consider the mathematical probabilities of all those alphanumerical calculations being in Jeremiah 32, because it's not mathematically possible 
Now, please, by all means, search the Internet all you can and try to obtain the information that I just gave you. You're not going to find it. However, I am telling you that it is the truth. When I take a look at the news, and, and I see articles released this week that is absolutely off the chart. This was released in J-Post this week, ladies and gentlemen. Israel's alleged 1967 nuclear doomsday operation planned to be revealed per the Arab-Israeli conflict. Absolutely off the charts. This takes everybody by surprise. It was Clinton not too long ago that was uh, telling us about uh, the supposed Israeli nuclear arsenal, but that's not supposed to exist. Ladies and gentlemen, they had nukes during the 1967 Six-Day War. Here, let me read a little bit from this article from J-Post. One of Israel's greatest wartime secrets is due to be revealed on Monday, the so-called last gasp nuclear doomsday operation to avoid defeat in the eminent 1967 Six-Day War. However, some are treating the reported revelation with skepticism. The contingency plan, nicknamed Samson, would have allegedly involved the detonation of a nuclear device in the desolate part of the Sinai Peninsula in an incredible demonstration of Israel's military might. The operation was to be potentially used as a last resort scenario to ensure Israel's existence in the case of looming defeat. Now, at this part, I want everybody to realize that in this article there are quotes from former IDF Brigadier General Yaakov. You would take note, and I'm going to read an exact quote. And if you don't know who he's talking about, he knows who he's talking about. That's why I got this article in Hebrew and read it. I wanted to see what he actually said. I believe you me, I did indeed. Here's a direct quote. You've got an enemy, and he says he's going to throw you into the sea. You believe him, explains Yaakov in an expert of the testimony obtained by the New York Times. How can you stop him? You scare him. If you've got something you can scare him with, you scare him. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this changes everything. Because not only uh, is the IDF packing, oh, they've been packing pre-1967. Let's go back to the prince that has begun to be stirred up this week. Yes, biblically I'm speaking about the prince of Persia because the Lord our God knows for sure we've already been stirring up the prince of Greece. I just told you a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was even last week, that 122 degree weather had struck India. Guess where it's at now? Record heat wave. 
in Iran has temperatures reaching an incredible 120 Fahrenheit, resulting in severe living conditions and many hospitalized. And I'm sure that at the end of the day, there's going to be deaths beyond any shadow of a doubt. There are things really going on. It absolutely blows me away. Just this week, ladies and gentlemen, on a third, massive fish kill in Puget Sound. Ladies and gentlemen, saying massive is, is, is kind of understating the situation. When you look at, at some of these pictures, you can't see the beach. This is multiple times I have shared that these articles have come out and said oxygen had been depleted in the water, or like this one, states that the fish had been cooked, ladies and gentlemen. It absolutely blows me away that there's no place I can look where things are normal anymore. Look. Let's look to Taiwan. Ladies and gentlemen, this week, they had 23 and a half inches of rain in 11 hours. At the time this article was released, there was at least one dead. Well, of course... You have taxis floating around in the main streets. How can you get two feet of rain in 11 hours? This week I looked to the sign of the Son of Man. It's a historical fact. There's only one king star, that's Jupiter. And just this week, it was released that amateur astronomers again caught comet or asteroid fragments hitting Jupiter. Now, the event was seen on the 26th, but the article was just released this week. It, it absolutely blows me away what is going on. Continues to go on and on and on. Things get worse and worse and worse. And it's like nobody's paying attention or they don't care. Either that or they're only concerned with their financial well-being. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what do you think would make elephants go on a rampage? Is this normal? Have you ever heard this type of news being released where a wild herd of 43 elephants invade northern districts of Tanzania and are now keeping locals in constant fear for their lives and households as these rogue elephants just go into villages and destroy them? No, really, ladies and gentlemen. Really. Is that normal? Don't you realize that elephants to the point are a peaceful species? They're not lions and tigers, nor are they bears. 
They normally do not invade and destroy villages just wantonly without cause. They just don't. They just don't. This week also at Lac Atish, massive, another massive fish die-off. The experts on the ground said, well, look, this is the cause, the supposed cause. Cooling water mixing with warm water can also cause nutrients from the bottom of the lake to rise, leading to large swing of dissolved oxygen levels over a 24-hour period uh, that can meet more than fish can take. Really? That is the most preposterous thing I've ever seen written. Really? Oh, that can really happen. You know, ladies and gentlemen, I spent a whole lot of time taking geology courses. And that was just classic what they just wrote there. That's classic. You know, and the one from from Pudgett Sound, ladies and gentlemen, that they took the temperature from the water. The fish had been cooked. When have you heard of that before, ladies and gentlemen? When? Tell me when. Does this all have something to do with the State of the Union? I wonder. But not in a way that you might think. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Gallup just released a poll that record few Americans believe the Bible is the literal word of God. Just absolutely blows me away. When you read the contents of this study, it's firm that from the 70s through 1984, close to 40% of Americans considered the Bible the literal word of God. However, since that time, it's crashed. Are you not sure it's a state of the union? Now, ladies and gentlemen, consider this. If I didn't know I didn't say think. No, 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 no. I didn't even say believe because I don't. No, I, I don't believe this. I know that the Bible, God's holy word, how do you think I was able to peer into the code and see how many times the year 57, 78 is in Jeremiah chapter 32? And not only that, it also contains the phrase sealed scroll. Not only that, it also has on our own calendar 2017 and 2018 in that chapter. And this very year starts out with a wondrous sign of Revelation chapter 12. You will take note that it has been since 2010 that it is the end time tribune and the end time tribune alone 
which decided to use a different script to teach you end-time eschatology. I have screamed from the rooftops since the inception of this broadcast, Revelation chapter 12, eschatology. It explains to you everything that is going to happen. Let me tell you about a very short conversation I had with my son this week. He wanted to know all about the angels there in the book of Daniel. It was a very point, very plain. didn't take me too long for him to understand that, well, there's more angels there than you think there are because it plainly states there was one on that side of the bank, one on this side of the bank, and ah, yes, there was also the Exodus angel that was standing over the waters. This led to the next part of the conversation because he knows exactly where the Exodus angel is at in the book of Revelation. Chapter 10, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to ask you something very important. The Exodus angel there gives John a little scroll. This is the fact of the matter. This is the fact of the matter. There's an argument in heaven. Because that which John is given, you'll take note. He said to not reveal, to shut up what these seven thunders had spoken. Now, don't you realize what this means, ladies and gentlemen? Don't you realize what's being worked out here in the Scripture? The message on that little scroll has never been revealed, not ever. Now, all these eschatological experts, they just run around. They run around. Oh my goodness, they run around. They don't realize what is implied here in Revelation chapter. Realize everything that was stated about this little scroll. Ah, yes, Matthew chapter 11. You know, ladies and gentlemen, John is going to give the contents of that scroll. He really is. Oh, do you think that what the seven thunders had spoke. Do you think the Exodus angel stepped in and said, no, nah, don't write that down? Do you think that was just a random entry in God's word? Or did you not see that until just now? Until just right now? Did that not occur to you? Because if so, you should be worried. You really should. You know, the end is going to come like a flood. Let me ask you, do you know what the sign of uh, Jonah is? You probably don't, do you? 
Well, something else was said about John. Christ the king said, what is it to you if he remains until I return? Do you remember that? I think I've, smoke, I've spoken on this in a different light on a different program, but now I'm going to give it to you straight. You know what the opposite of that is, don't you? I'll tell you. Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, ladies and gentlemen. Jonah wanted to die, but God did not let him die. Let that be a testimony to you. You need to find out where that's at in the book of Revelation. You certainly need to study Jeremiah chapter 32 and realize that the years 2017, 2018, and the Hebrew year 5778 is all over that chapter. You know, that other chapter that contains the Hebrew phrase sealed scroll, that actually gives you the answer to the equation as to why you probably don't realize you cannot grasp what I've been talking about the past 30 minutes. It has the answer you're looking for. Ladies and gentlemen, we are revving up to something of that there is no doubt in anybody's mind that knows about such things. We've got fish kills, bird kills, earthquake swarms. Massive cracks appearing, not only uh, in the nether regions, India, <laughs> massive crack just showing up, destroying multiple villages. Heat waves striking India and Iran. The Prince of Greece. Stirred up. The Prince of Persia being stirred up. They're just releasing the news. By the way, back in 1967, we had a nuclear option that was dubbed Samson. Makes me think of Samson's riddle. Ah, yes, that was about something sweet as well, wasn't it, ladies and gentlemen? I wonder if your eschatology experts have talked about that as of late. And the wonders therein it contains in God's Word. Absolutely amazing. With that in mind, I think I've got everybody's attention enough to hear me say this. Repent of your rebellion. Please, possible. I know that all the experts since the 70s have got you convinced that the blood of Christ the King is nothing more than a license for you to commit your liciousness. Do you understand what that means in the Greek? I do. That is unbound wickedness. That's what that word means. Wickedness unbound. But of course they all run around and say it, don't they? 
You can do anything nowadays and go to heaven, right? Party on. No, that's not what God's word says, ladies and gentlemen. It never did. You've convinced yourself of that. That's what your itching ears wanted to hear. But I'm here to tell you, your time runs short. His patience grows thin with your outright rebellion. And of course, I must always give a footnote here for those still on milk. I'm not saying you're perfect, and I'm not saying you're not ever going to lose your temper and make a mistake. I said rebellion. How many of you show up to work every single day with the intent of lying to your customers? I mean, raise your hand if you work at a car lot. Ooh. Did I prick you? And honestly, did you bleed? Are you a politician? You actually think you're going to get away with having an affair on your spouse. Really? Really? If that be the case, I assure you that you're really going to come to grips with what the sign of Jonah actually is. Come the day when he who sitteth upon the throne has had enough of your rebellion. And you're going to find out all about that Exodus angel too. Because if you transgress what he has to say, guess what? The Lord your God tells you that he does not have to forgive you. I hope you realize the ramifications of that. Tell me, have the words that I have spoken today, did they go sour in your stomach? To bat, I'm sorry, I rambled on there a little bit long, but you got 15 minutes, looks like, before the break. Then you can take over after the break. I hope that I didn't get everybody too upset. Uh, Clinton's probably got a lot rosier things to talk about than I do. But I do hope that uh, you consider what I've said, because they are the fact of the matter. It is that way. It is his way, and there is no other way, just that one. So, Clinton, uh, sorry I put you off to a rough ride, but jump right in the saddle, man. Get to it. What you been looking at this week? Well, I uh, wanted to just comment on what you said. I mean, that was, uh, that was very touching uh, because I think a lot of times we, we lose focus on what we are instructed to do. And the, the process that we must go through to not necessarily prove ourselves worthy but to, in an essence, show our allegiance to our Savior. And, and a lot of times, um, especially in our society, we, we want to create this idea um, that whatever we do is justified or whatever we do is okay um, or that God will forgive us or, you know, that he loves us. That's why, you know, he'll look past this. But the, the truth of the matter is 
we're instructed to follow his direction. And if we don't follow his direction, there are repercussions for that. And, and I mean, everyone can look at their individual lives and, and look at a, uh, a mistake, you know, an error that was made. Um, you know, you made a left when you're supposed to make a right. And how making that left impacted your life to where you had to go on a crazy journey uh, to get back where you were supposed to be. And, well, with God, if you, if you don't follow his instruction, you may not have the opportunity to turn around and go back where you started. It may not, it may not be that close. And, and the thing is, we have to watch and we have to pay attention. We have to make sure that we're building every day. To, to become better, to become more uh, adaptive, to be more knowledgeable, to be more faithful. Otherwise, we could all fall to this deception that is growing around the world. And, you know, with Matthew bringing up, you know, the, the, the years coming up, uh, we know that uh, the sign that happens in September, um, the beginning of the new year that is coming, um, and the implications that could actually mean. And if it's true, and, and we all believe it is, that this time is very important, that this time is very prophetic, then our work has to be to make sure that we are ready in any way that we can. So, Matthew, I just wanted to say thank you for that, but that was, that was awesome talking about that. Um, but I also wanted to hit up, were you talking about the the fish dying off and the birds dying off. And you talk about symbolism. Well, here in the last week at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., in the reflecting pool, the, the pool that kind of sits between the, the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial, uh, 80 ducks died over two days. And they blame it on some kind of toxin that came from the snails over the bottom of this pool. But this is on the mall. This is on a, in, in an essence, kind of sacred ground of the United States. And they had 80 ducks die just mysteriously in that pond. So <laughs> you guys can kind of tie into the symbolic reasoning for that. Um, but just to kind of continue on with the, the, the water issue, we know that water is going to be a major, major issue going forward. Um, I mean, you, you look at just how, um, you know, the rivers are drying up, how uh, we have, you know, the water is heating up, could be fall from volcanic activity, could be from the sun, but either way, things are happening to water. And we know that ultimately the water is going to be undrinkable. Um, and we can see that happening right now in, in Yemen. Um, the cholera outbreak in Yemen is going crazy. Uh, for people that don't know, cholera is a, a bacterial disease that spread from water contamination with human waste, um, and it causes fatal dehydration. So basically, you can't drink the water. If you do, you get sick and you die. Um, that just over the last month, the amount of uh, cases has sprung up drastically to the point that they anticipate within the next couple of weeks, that there's going to be over 300,000 cases of cholera in Yemen. Now, the, the reason I bring this up is we know what's going on in Qatar, and we know how Saudi Arabia shut off their, their land port and put an embargo in the, the Persian Gulf to block off 
any imports that could be into Qatar. We know that the people within Qatar have gone to the supermarkets and tried to buy every kind of resource they could. Well, Saudi Arabia did this to Yemen. They're, they're the ones that have bombed them to Bolivia and that shut off all the supply channels to where nothing could come into that country. And now we see them doing it to Qatar. And the government of Qatar knows that this is exactly what they're planning. I mean, they've already done it to one country that they didn't like, and they're planning on doing it to the same. So Qatar has actually reached out to three countries for help. First one was Iran. Second one was Turkey. And most recently, the third one was Russia. Well, we know that that alliance is kind of counter to the alliance that the United States has with Saudi Arabia and Israel and Egypt and United Arab Emirates. So we see this building. We see this growing. And who knows what the step is going to be. But we know that what happened here in Iran this last week could have severe implications. We, we've had the, the, the Iranian government come out and in you know, less than a few words, basically blame Saudi Arabia and the United States for the attack in, uh, in Iran at, at both the, the tomb of Ayatollah Khomeini and also at the parliament in Iran. Uh, both places had, you know, uh, suicide bombers and uh, shootings as well. Uh, there was even video that was released from the Iranian parliament inside the parliament while they're shooting. We, uh, well, today, they came out and they actually are blaming the Iraqi Kurds for joining up with ISIS to attack Iran. Now, we know the Kurdish people are a people without a country that are fighting in Syria, fighting in Iraq, fighting in Turkey, and now in Iran, for their own survival, in a way. And we know that one of their allies is the United States government. So if the United States is backing the Kurds, and Iran just said the Kurds just attacked them, and the United States has also been implicated by Iran, where does this lead where does this take us? We, we know that the United States, you know, recently in the last week as well, bombed inside this safe zone in Syria. You know, the safe zone that was created by, you know, uh, Syria, Russia, Iran, and Turkey. The United States was not involved in the safe zone. We shouldn't be able to be in Syria, let alone bomb inside the safe zone. So with these three individual actions, are we trying to invoke war? Us, as I mean, the United States and our allies. And we know from the most recent trip of Donald Trump through the Middle East, we know that Saudi Arabia is an ally because that was his first visit. And we see the actions of Saudi Arabia, so we know what the plan is. Guys, this, this may actually be on. This may be something that stems very, very, very quickly. And, and one reason I, I want to say quickly um, is because of what's happening in Jerusalem. I mean, Matthew talked about this resolution that uh, was passed in the House uh, unanimous 
to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. We know that it's been on the books since the 90s to do so, and 22 times, I believe it's 22 times, um, the president has deferred that so that they never had to actually do it. Now Congress is pushing to do it. But what does Israel think of this? And whenever you look at what the plans are, look at infrastructure. Look at what they're planning on doing. And if they're planning on putting money where their mouth is, then you can kind of see where they're going. And the reason I bring this up is there was an article from Al Jazeera that is titled, Israel Approves Plans to Tighten Grip on Eastern Jerusalem. Now, the interesting thing that it goes on to and talk about is this cable car system that Israel plans on making to connect the western half of the city of Jerusalem to hmm, three locations. The Western Wall, the um, Jewish Prayer Plaza, uh, right next to Al-Aram Sharif, and the Golden Top Dome of the Rock. So they plan on bringing this system to final tourists. Okay, great. Well, Israel's a a major tourist destination. We know that uh, everyone wants to go to Jerusalem and see these artifacts and see these locations. But this cable car system will have the ability to transport 3,000 visitors per hour. They don't have this traffic at this point. But what could they build at the end of the rainbow, at the end of this channel, to produce the kind of traffic, a tourism traffic, to bring 3,000 people per hour to the Temple Mount. I'll kind of leave that up to your guys' interpretation to see what that means. But Matthew, I I think this is a good place to kind of hand it back to you to lead us to the break, and then I'll pick up afterwards. Well, um, just touching on a few things that you said there, uh, Clinton. You know, I, I wonder how many people realize this, why God strikes the water. Absolutely blows me away. Um, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand that that is part of the sign of Jonah. It's the inversion. It's the inversion. All the witnesses there did not want to throw Jonah in the sea. They didn't want to. That's where Jonah wanted to go. Jonah wanted to drown in that sea. The absolute inversion of the sign of Jonah is not being able to drink anything. Just so you all realize what's, what's taking place there. You know, it is amazing to me that uh, Clinton would uh, find this fish kill or this bird kill there at the Lincoln Memorial reflecting pool. And it amazes me how a lot of people don't know why they did what they did with this, well, reflecting pool. You see, because, ladies and gentlemen, when you go there, when you look, when you go, when you see, 
it's amazing to me how people can't realize what it was they were trying to accomplish there with the two monuments. Because between the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you realize that's, well, that's 0.7 of a nautical mile. what it is. Ladies and gentlemen here, let me give you a clue. The Lincoln Memorial is supposed to be representative of he who sitteth upon the throne, and the Lincoln Memorial reflecting pool is supposed to be that sea of glass that the throne sits upon. I mean, I can use the Hebrew Bible source code and take you a tour around these grounds which I did in high school. I was 16 years old when we went here um, for a class trip, and everybody thought I was crazy because I bought, I brought with me, with my lunch, I brought a 100-foot tape reel. Not the metal type that's real, real cumbersome, but the 100-foot tape reel that construction workers use to well they pull off roofs, they pull off foundations cloth is flexible and the wonders I was able to show our cadre of teachers that went with us blew them away because that entire six hours she never once told any of the students about you know, all the history about Lincoln and not. No, we didn't waste our time on that garbage. Oh, no, no, no. It blows me away how people cannot think biblically. And it blows me away how, how did Clinton find this, and I didn't know about it when I do a search for bird kill three times a week. Absolutely amazing. Of course they're going to up the ante and bring awareness, especially for tourist attractions in Israel. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're just getting started. There's so much more to see and do before the last grain of sand. Exits the hourglass of the patience of he who sitteth upon the throne. Absolutely amazing. Everything that Clinton just talked about. It's good that we sat here together, Clinton, Brian, and I. Two are better than one, and the cord of three strands is not easily broken. Make no mistakes. Make no mistakes about it. We're going to play for this week's break uh, the first four chapters of the Parallel Apocalypse. 
setup, pay attention. You'll hear everything God is about to do. He's going to accomplish with his hands what his own mouth has stated they were going to do. Chapter 24. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be as with the people, so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the taker of usury, so with the giver of usury to them. The land shall be utterly emptied and utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away, the world languisheth and fadeth away, the haughty people of the earth do languish. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. The new wine mourneth, the vine languisheth, all the merry-hearted do sigh. The mirth of tabrets ceaseth, the noise of them that rejoice endeth, the joy of the harp ceaseth. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to them that drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up that no man may come in. There is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city is left desolation, and the gate is smitten with destruction. When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as the shaking of an olive tree, and as the gleaning grapes when the vintage is done. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Wherefore glorify ye the Lord in the fires, even the name of the Lord God of Israel in the isles of the sea. From the uttermost part of the earth have we heard songs, even glory to the righteous. But I said, my leanness, my leanness, woe unto me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously, yea, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall come to pass that he who fleeth from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit, and he that cometh up out of the midst of the pit shall be taken in the snare, for the windows from on high are open, and the foundations of the earth do shake. The earth is utterly broken down. The earth is clean dissolved. The earth is moved exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall be removed like a cottage. And the transgression thereof shall be heavy upon it. And it shall fall and not rise again. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high and the kings of the earth upon the earth. And they shall be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and shall be shut up in the prison, and after many days shall they be visited. Then the moon shall be confounded, and the sun ashamed, when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and before his ancients gloriously. Chapter 25 O Lord, thou art my God, I will exalt thee, I will praise thy name, for thou hast done wonderful things, Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. For thou hast made of a city and heap, 
of a defensive city a ruin, a palace of strangers to be no city. It shall never be built. Therefore shall the strong people glorify thee. The city of the terrible nations shall fear thee. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Thou shalt bring down the noise of strangers as the heat in a dry place, even the heat with the shadow of a cloud. The branch of the terrible ones shall be brought low. And in this mountain shall the Lord of hosts make unto all people a feast of fat things, a feast of wines on the lees, of fat things full of marrow, of wines on the lees well refined. And he will destroy in this mountain the face of the covering cast over all people and the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death in victory. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from off all faces. And the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth. For the Lord hath spoken it. And it shall be said in that day, Lo, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. For in this mountain shall the hand of the Lord rest, and Moab shall be trodden down unto him, even as straw is trodden down for the dunghill. And he shall spread forth his hands in the midst of them, as he that swimmeth spreadeth forth his hands to swim. And he shall bring down their pride together with the spoils of their hands. And the fortress of the high fort of thy walls shall he bring down, lay low, and bring to the ground, even to the dust. Chapter 26. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye the gates, that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he bringeth down them that dwell on high. The lofty city he layeth it low, he layeth it low even to the ground, he bringeth it even to the dust. The foot shall tread it down, even the feet of the poor, and the steps of the needy. The way of the just is uprightness. Thou, most upright, dost weigh the path of the just. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Let favor be showed to the wicked, yet will he not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness will he deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. Lord, when thy hand is lifted up, they will not see, but they shall see and be ashamed for their envy at the people. Yea, the fire of thine enemies shall devour them. Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us, for thou also hast wrought all our works in us. O Lord our God, other lords beside thee have had dominion over us, but by thee only will we make mention of thy name. They are dead, they shall not live. They are deceased, they shall not rise. Therefore hast thou visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. 
Thou hast increased the nation, O Lord. Thou hast increased the nation. Thou art glorified. Thou hast removed it far unto all the ends of the earth. Lord, in trouble have they visited thee. They poured out a prayer when thy chastening was upon them. Like as a woman with child that draweth near the time of her delivery is in pain and crieth out in her pangs, so have we been in thy sight, O Lord. We have been with child. We have been in pain. We have, as it were, brought forth wind. We have not wrought any deliverance in the earth, neither have the inhabitants of the world fallen. Thy dead men shall live. Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Come, my people. Enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. Chapter 27 in that day the Lord with his sword and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. In that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them, I would burn them together. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me. And he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come to Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud, and fill the face of the world with fruit. Hath he smitten him, as he smote those that smote him? Or is he slain according to the slaughter of them that are slain by him? In measure, when it shooteth forth, thou wilt debate with it. He stayeth his rough wind in the day of the east wind. By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged, and this is all the fruit to take away his sin. When he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder, the groves and images shall not stand up. Yet the defensive city shall be desolate, and the habitation forsaken and left like a wilderness. There shall the calf feed, and there shall he lie down and consume the branches thereof. When the boughs thereof are withered, they shall be broken off. The women come and set them on fire. For it is a people of no understanding. Therefore he that made them will not have mercy on them, and he that formed them will show them no favor. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall beat off from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O ye children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown, and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and the outcasts in the land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. And there you have the full mill deal, which is the very first four chapters of the parallel apocalypse. I suggest you study those 12 chapters. Diligently, actually. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get the bry on and uh, 
get his take on the events this week. I'm sure he's going to pack no less of a punch than I and Clinton have already dealt your conscience. If it hasn't been seared, that is. Bye. Get in the saddle, bud. Okay. Well, I had, uh, let's see, where do we start with this? You know, there's some details, I guess, is sort of takes preeminence here, folks. And this is going to be a slight explanation into what is a much larger project that we have plans on releasing the entirety of it here in the future at some point. Now, we had mentioned here that in light of everything that's going on as we speak throughout the world, at first glance, does not make any sense whatsoever. And yet it does as we begin to to unravel the bits and the pieces and zoom out and look at this over and over and over again in light of of what biblical prophecy states. You know, and folks, this is where things get very, very important. When you go between Revelation 17, and then go into 18, and then turn around and go to 19, start getting some little indicators that helps to unlock some very important details, which brings everything into perspective. Now, we've gone to great lengths in the past. I'm going to be going even to further lengths to show everybody that Babylon, the harlot, that's in Revelation 17, Revelation 18, that there is no questions whatsoever that that is this entirety of this continent referred to as the new world. And this goes so much deeper than people even realize. This even goes way back into its ancient history, and it just continues to build and build and build. But, you know, when we look between Revelation 17, 18, and 19 combined with that, we have some peculiar things that are stated concerning those, for instance, we have the kings that have not yet received their kingdom, but will that hour with the beast. But when we roll it forward and then we begin to realize that in Revelation 19, lo and behold, in broad daylight, we see that the next event is what everybody refers to as the Gog and Magog War. And this is where a little exercise in counting ends up coming into place. Because if we look here between, you know, because we've stated before that, you know, you need to understand that there's a lot of differentiation between events going back and forth between 39 and 38. Ezekiel 39 is giving you details that refer to the first Gog and Magog event, which obviously we have a second one whereas in Satan has been bound for a thousand years. Explaining this further, well, why is it that he's been bound for a thousand years when he's cast down here to the earth 
They are caught in a snare with the rest of the host that cannot go back up of those one-third that are cast out during that war in heaven. We have the beast that comes up out of the pit. All right, folks, this we've gone to great lengths in the past to explain to everybody that this is the scapegoat in the Bible all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And underneath that very word is the name of the angel that this refers to, which is Azazel. Now, if everybody remembers a little while back in Michigan, in Detroit, Michigan, they put up a statue of, they refer to it as Baphomet, but when you want to break it down, look, that's Azazel, it always has been. That statue that they put up there on top of it has Azazel standing there with children around it. That's something you're going to want to tuck into the back of your memory and hold on to that piece because this is going to come to light in the future here as I draw all this together because that is a very important detail. They did not put that statue where they did in America by coincidence. Nonetheless, so we have these 10 kings that it's put into their heart to burn the harlot Babylon. And everybody refers to that as mystery Babylon, but I guess, you know, the thing that kind of catches me is um, the mystery is being explained. And then there's a comma. Mystery Babylon is not, technically speaking, the proper terminology to use for that. Because it's stating, let me explain to you a mystery. Comma. Then it goes into the next phrase. So, we have these ten kings. It's put into their heart and mind with the beast to burn her. But lo and behold, all of a sudden, we move to the next chapter in Revelation 19. We've just been told that these kings are not yet. They get their power at that time with the beast. And then in Ezekiel 19, are in uh, Revelation 19, lo and behold, guess what's sitting there in broad daylight? The first, Gog and Magog event. See, folks, and this is where all these uh, eschatology scholars over the years have gone out of their way to make sure they confuse you. And then to make matters worse, we've had English translations that have been adding other words in there that are not even there. This has led into the infamous myth that Russia is somehow Gog and Magog. When we look at that first phrase alone, and the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set your face towards Gog of the land of Magog. This is the proper translation, folks. This is what it says in the Hebrew. The chief prince of whom? Meshach and Tubal. So how they've confused everybody first off is they turn around as uh, they took Ro- you know, Russia, the founding of Russia with the, uh, you know, the folks that are behind that historically. They changed that. Then they came in and said, Meshach, you're Muscovy. Why did they do that? 
well, folks, you have to understand this is a byproduct of the Eastern Roman Empire and the Byzantine Church. As all these people are being saved and brought into the body at that point in history, well, they wanted to look at the Table of Nations so they could figure out, well, who are we? Who is it that we are? And then they saw Moscow V, and they said, oh, wait a minute, then they must be Meshach. But that's where they confused you. And the timing of this, when they did this in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, is key critical. Because on top of it, we know that we have a generation marker of 120 years wherein the Gospels, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, we know that this generation shall not pass. These generations shall see all these things. One generation. So what is our definition of one generation? Well, when we flip it back to Genesis, we realize that we are given 120 years. And what I'm going to say now is another thing, people. You need to tuck this in the back of your mind because every single thing I've been looking at here, even considering America's role and their, who they are in Bible prophecy, it all began at the end of the 1800s and spiraled forward. This includes an adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. It includes every single thing. But it takes scoping out and looking at the entirety of history as a whole. Because if you don't do that, we have this, uh, you know, I've even done this in my younger years. We can only see what's in front of us because we don't know what's behind us. And if we don't know what's behind us, we can't see that the fact, for instance, like just with this last election, This is not the first time we've had a leader come in and started using all this racist rhetoric, this this bashing on women. It just keeps going for days. This is a pattern, folks, and it's happened so many times, even going back to the end of the 1800s and especially amplifying at the end of World War II. But if you only are looking at what's in front of you and trying to see forward and you can't see what's behind you, When God has explicitly told us time and time and time again, that which has been is that which will be. There is nothing new under the sun. God chases after what has been. This keeps going. We should have recognized the fact that we had patterns and we should have looked backwards just within our own modern history to recognize that this is nothing new in this specific nation in the United States. But that doesn't disclude everywhere else in the world. So once we break down and get rid of this whole Mishik, Moscovy, being Russia nonsense, because look, folks, I have spent a vast amount of time getting to the bottom of who these Slavic people are that inhabit what is modern-day Russia, who is in part of Ukraine, etc. And in the Bible... Because that word Slav, when you look right at it, and I've had this confirmed by a Russian friend of ours, that word Slav and Rafath both mean spoken. But it goes much deeper than that. When we begin to look through the historical texts, the archaeological documentation, all the way across the board, we begin to realize that Rafath 
was found by the Rithian Mountains. We, we can keep going with this. There's all kinds of historical documentation. Herodotus makes it stand out like a sore thumb. And then when you look at the archaeology with it and every other little detail, you find out that these folks were known in Herodotus, as he stated, well, they were the farmer Scythian, but they were also the manufacturers of the metal implements. And everybody remember when the Soviet Union came along, they had that, that sickle. Well, what is a sickle used for in that? It's farming. And then they had that hammer. Well, what's that used for? Well, if you know how metal smithing works, you have to have that hammer. They literally told you in broad daylight who they were, but it took looking at it to realize why they did that with their flag. So now all of a sudden, we've removed Russia from this equation, and we've got the proper player where it's supposed to be, and that's Rafaf. Now recall, everybody, last week I pointed out that they're beyond that border threshold. They go up into the entire central Asian continent. You can look at the Euphrates River. Well, all those places are on the opposite side. That's not to say that there's not people from these other people groups mixed in, because most definitely there is. But nonetheless, our key factors, once we go past that area, that one mountain ridge where Alexander the Great and every conqueror, Darius the Great, Cyrus the Great, they all tried to cross that threshold of those certain mountain bases and get in there through Central Asia up into China and Russia and uh, whatever our modern terminology for it is today, every single one of them got swatted down and stopped. Alexander the Great got there. Who did he have the most contention with? Well, he met the Saka branch of the Scythian. And he went, wait a minute. I can't fight these guys on their terms. They're going to slaughter me and all of my troops of Javan. And I'm going to lay this on the line here real quick as well. Yes, we have a twofold connotation when we refer to the prince of Greece. The Greek tells us Greece. The Hebrew tells us Yavon. That's Ionia. That's Macedonia, folks. The Macedonian. And once you look through Ezekiel 27, you line up all these things going on here with Ezekiel 38, you're going to realize that when you look at each one of these people groups that's mentioned in Gog and Magog, you see Macedonia all over in the mix with them. Let us roll forward. Here's essentially how we break down the simplicity of Meshach and Tubal. When we begin to look at our table of nations, we've traced our history, we've looked through everything we need to look at, and then we lock it into the table of nations with the wide DNA branches of modern-day genetics. You're going to find out you've got some specifics here. You have here Javon, Meshach, and Tubal. You get certain branch. I too is one of the biggest pointers towards looking at who it is that falls into this whole area. When we look at this, we end up with what is known as former Yugoslavia, Romania, Bulgaria, Sardinia. Most Slavic countries, but that's a little bit of a misnomer, folks. Frequencies are observed in Bosnia, 
Bosnia, Sardinia, Croatia, Serbia, Montenegro, Romania, Moldova, Macedonia, Slovenia, Bulgaria, Belarus, Hungary, Slovakia, Ukraine. Yes, folks, there are some of them in Ukraine, but they came in when the Western-backed coalition, which are neo-Nazis, I'm not making things up, and Albania. Not to mention on top of it, it's also found to a percentage within the Germanic countries. The Germanic countries are who? I've said this time and time again. Ancient times, they were known as the Cimmerian. Everybody remembers Conan the Barbarian, for those of you that have watched movies over the years and so forth, at least in these Western nations. That was essentially basing it off that. And they had, at one point in history, they were over by the Ukraine. Now, we know full well that on top of it in the Bible, when Nineveh is brought to destruction, etc., they were involved in this mix with the Scythian, with the Medes, etc., etc., etc. That's who brought down the Assyrian Empire at that point in history. After this got happened, after this had taken place, well, the Scythian kind of got fed up with the Germans and said, get out of here. And you can watch their migration path. They went right up into all the areas where Germanic people have settled. The Y-DNA on top of it proves beyond any shadow of a doubt, once again, it is the very same people, and that is Gomer. So we got Meshach Tubal. Well, the Romanians get real interesting, folks, especially when you look at Transylvania. Because you pull up a map, you can see all kinds of variants that tell you in broad daylight. Just on the map alone, you can see Tubal as plain as day. So then who do we have in this mix? We've got Persia. I think that's kind of self-explanatory. Kush goes very deep. Kush is in a lot more places than everybody realizes. Because, yes, we have a Greek definition of Ethiopia. But even that's loaded. Once again, this is where you have to start looking at the Y-DNA trees. And a lot of times they'll bring this into the E1B branch of the Y-DNA, etc. But the more you look at it, the more you realize it's a whole heck of a lot more complex. Then we have Put. Most of our translations will tell you Libya. Libya, as I've stated before, that's a complexity. Now, do we have some of the ancient Libyans who were descended through Ham in modern-day Libya? To a degree, yeah. Because we do have some of that E branch. But the ancient Libyans, Libu, and so forth, well, they were with the sea people. They're in Egyptian records. And oddly enough, they seem to be that same branch of European people where you've got, once again, that little blonde hair, blue-eyed thing going on. And this is documented all over the place, folks, but does that all of a sudden make these descendants through Ham and etc. only white people with blonde hair and blue eyes? No, it does not. What that is telling you is between the Y-DNA, which is coming through the father, and the MT-DNA going from the mother, and then looking at the migrational patterns, when you break it down going through, where I have gone to great lengths showing everybody where Eden actually was, when you start understanding the migrations that happened as they moved up 
and went through these areas. And look, everybody, archaeology, genetics, and everything else is proving over and over and over again that the location of Eden was in that location. Noah's heart came down towards that area as well, towards where Eden is located, because Pakistan, Afghanistan, and all that area suddenly becomes real important with its location of Eden. And we go back to the same spot where the ark came down. And the text in India and several others record all kinds of real explicit details that are important. Noah is all over their legends and their lore and their writings. So Put Libya is a far more complex thing. But nonetheless, do we still have some of those original descendants in modern-day Libya? Yeah, we do. Then we have, uh, let's see, Gomer, we already talked about that. Togmara, that breaking it down simply is the Turkish people. Modern-day Turkey is far more complex as far as its makeup of the people groups that are there. Because not only are you going to find these people from Togmara, but we've also got some other missing players in the mix. For instance, the Philistines. We've got Amalek on top of it in Central Asia, and we've gone to great lengths again, and you can look through David Roll's work on the Lords of Avarice, and I talked to him privately about this. The Amalekites ended up in Boeotia Thebes. Now, if you realize what happened there with Alexander the Great and his father and his grandfather and so forth with Boeotia Thebes, a lot of important elements come into the place here. But in the book of Esther, we're told in the Hebrew that Haman was an Agagite. Well, an Agagite goes back to that king of the Amalekites who was Agag. So you have the Amalekite through the Hebrew. The Greek turns around and tells you something very illuminating, that Haman was a Macedonian. But how did he become a Macedonian? Because if they settled in Boeotia, Thebes, something, logic dictates as they were marrying back and forth to solidify arrangements to have peace and so forth within other countries. This goes back to ancient times. You can find this in the Hittite records between the Armana records within Egypt and so forth. This just keeps going for days. This is an ancient practice. So somehow we had an Amalekite find his way into Macedonia and then shows up at the time of Esther. So all of a sudden in this whole Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Turkey, suddenly we find all these key players. We got Gomer, Meshach, Tubal, but then we come into Shabbat and Didan. Shabbat, this one, modern-day Yemen. That is where Shabbat was descended from. And what tree in the Table of the Nations was this? Well, this goes through the tree of Shem. You can see this as well, tracing the Y-DNA, but all not only on top of that, you're going to find these same mixes down in the ancient uh, Indus civilization, which people are still living there to this day throughout India, throughout Pakistan, throughout Afghanistan. They're all mixed all over in that too, these descendants of Shem and the Asher and all the rest of them. 
Dan, we see them show up right in the mix between all these nations. And then the interesting one of Tarshish. Great tells us Tarshish was modern, was ancient Carthage, which is in the top North African continent. So how many kings is it that we have listed here? Because let's break this down one more time. Son of man, set your face towards God of the land of Magog. But where's the land of Magog? Well, in Eastern European nations, these people were known as the Magar. A lot of people have went there from the Huns, but they're not, folks. And if you look at the history, you'll find out that they're not from the Huns because the Huns were descended from Turkish people. Megar are an altogether separate group of people that went through Central Asia and then history, archaeology, and everything else had shown that they had started in the very land that they're living now, modern-day Hungary, went into Central Asia, and then came back home to their land again. Lo and behold, now we have the identifier of this land. But who is this God? Well, he's the chief prince over the top, Meshach and Tubal. So let's count here now that we've established, because we have Gog, who's the chief prince, and we have a land, Magog. So what does this leave left over as far as kings? Meshach, we have one. Tubal, we have two. Persia, we have three. Four, we have Cush. Five, we have Put. Six, we have Gomer. Seven, we have Togmarah. Eight, we have Shaba. Nine, Dedan. Ten, Tarshish. One moment here. I'm getting... Uh... So in light of this, folks, in light of all the things that I've been bringing to everybody's attention over the last few weeks here, why is America doing what it's doing? Everybody, you realize that these six nations that are now on the travel ban because he removed Iraq. Well, let's look at this travel ban. Libya, Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, Syria, Iran, and it was Iraq. Everybody, you're aware that this plan was in place since 2001 to take over all these areas. We have all the consternation that has been stirred up within the Eastern European nations. They're getting, there's a lot more details that go into these Eastern Europeans with the refugee crisis. Let's stop there and consider that for a moment, the refugee crisis. Now, if we had plans in place, and I have the documentation from foreign relation documents that proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that this plan was set in place. Where are all of these refugees coming from? It's because that's why he banned them. 
Libya, Sudan, Somalia, Yemen, Syria, and Iraq? Why then has Iran been put on here? Everybody, you understand what's going on here ever since Trump went out and did this uh, arming the Arabs to the teeth. Palestine was there on top of it with the Gulf nations. Now all of a sudden Qatar's right in the midst of it. They're in trouble because they've been found connected to Iran. All kinds of controversy. This week, lo and behold, guess what else happened? Two major attacks inside of Iran. Then it's released because first they tell you it was ISIS. Then they tell you what? Well, yesterday, after I had already released who's behind this, it is the same group I pointed out before that's been working behind the scenes with American intelligence, with intelligence in other parts of the world stating they have nuclear weapons again. But if you go over to their site, it emphatically tells you who they are, what their plan is, where they're from, because they're now in Iraq. There's Kurds mixed in with them. There may be a lot more going on here than meets the eye as far as Iran is concerned. Or am I missing something? Folks, I just gave you the identity of those ten kings that are going to burn her with the beast. We've given you the identity of America. You understand and look at this in that light, you realize why all these events are breaking out the way they are. What America has done over all this time. Now, they've had it set in place that they were going to rule by land, air, sea, space, cyber. Is everybody aware of how much they've actually already instituted this? Because if you look at the entire planet and draw where all the bases are, where all the coverage from space is, and on top of it, their uh, missile shield systems and everything else, not to even mention Cybercom, you realize that the United States alone has absolute hegemony over the entire world just through these military bases. We created the refugee crisis. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Prove me wrong. You can show beyond any shadow of a doubt that we've gone into each and every one of these places and started bombing the living daylights out of them. There's proof on the ground of what was done in Yemen. Uh, This keeps going. So what is happening here, folks? Because if on top of it, the Eastern European bloc is being crumbled because of things that are happening here. This is rose up nationalism and populism. The two first writers. The two first craftsmen in Revelation 6 is all throughout the European nations. But on top of it, in the last week, we had what? France and Germany all of a sudden are aligned. Well, that's one part of the axis that's always been in place with NATO. Then, lo and behold, the United States and Britain are aligned again. Well, we have an ancient axis together. Got more saber-rattling with Russia. Folks, they're not playing around with this. You're aware that there's multiple news stories that state they're getting prepared for what they know is coming from all these Western nations. Remember what NATO's whole purpose was, or at least what they tell you, 
And then when the Cold War finished, they didn't stop. They just kept wedging Russia in. Remember he went out, rallied NATO? Let's go get ISIS. See, what they didn't tell you, though, is the big portion of this plan had everything to do with Iran. And do you think for a moment that NATO was going to stop what they're doing, the European bloc, concerning Russia as well? Let us talk about China. I mean, I can keep going here. Everybody, do you understand why these 10 kings, these specific 10 kings, are going to burn her? Folks, it is America's underhanded garbage that's been pulled through the intelligence communities, either covertly or even overtly, with troops on the ground, shooting in bombs and drones and missiles and everything else. When you look at that list in Gog and Magog, you realize the reality of who they are as opposed to what the bad shepherds have told you who they are. Then the entire picture becomes crystal clear. And oh my well, gosh, folks. That's a good you know, spot for me to cut off. because I was going to say something that I probably should stop. Well, Brian, you're not only talking geographically. You've done the research genetically to prove this. Now, that takes us a step further. Nobody else has ever did this. Not only hooked up with the historical research, the archaeology on the ground, but then on top of that implemented archaeogenetics into the equation because all this footwork has already been done, most of it a long time ago. They know exactly who's who in Bible prophecy. So... I am sorry that I forgot to let Clinton finish his stint after the break. He was not done. Uh, isn't that hilarious? Uh, as I prove to the world my incompetence of being a show host. <laughs> uh, Clinton, why don't you come here, uh, jump on here. It looks like we got 10 minutes left on the switchboard, which means we got 15 minutes in overdrive. So you've got another twi- uh, 25 minutes uh, to finish your news rant, and please do comment on uh, Brian's stuff and or my stuff if you uh, would like to. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate uh, the chance to talk uh, again at the end here. And and I, I just think it's interesting how everything is, is growing and developing, uh, just like what Brian was talking about from the genetic standpoint and seeing who these people truly are and and how the alliances are being created and and how the beasts are rising and how the, the kings are being shown as well. And, you know, I'm going to go a little different direction, but it kind of leads into um, what Brian was talking about. Um, you know, this, this whole rise of, lack of a better term, of, of Germany in the EU is, is quite amazing. Um, I mean, the alliance between uh, Germany and, and France has been there for a long time. For I mean, they have been the driving force to keep the EU afloat for many years, uh, ever since the financial crisis. So we know that their alliance is strong, and, and we see what, what's growing from there. And, and most recently, we have uh, you know the European Commission President Juncker, who has come out and uh, you know him and Merkel have been um, kind of having a harsh words against the United States, uh, saying that the United States no longer backs them. Well, 
Junker came out and said that he appeals to the EU governments to forge a military alliance to defend the bloc and enhance its power abroad. And it continues going on talking about that Britain was basically the uh, piece of the puzzle that didn't fit. Uh, you know, for the longest time, uh, Great Britain did not want to have the European Union to have their own army. And with Brexit, well, Great Britain's not going to be part of the European Union, so they don't have a vote. Um, and so in here, it basically, Britain had a long uh, block to EU defensive integration, fearing a European army that would challenge national sovereignty. NATO boastly, uh, broadly supports the EU defensive integration uh, as 22 EU states um, as members of the U.S.-led alliance. Um, and it continues on saying the United States is no longer interested in guaranteeing Europe's security in our place um, and that they have no choice, um, no other choice but to defend their own interests in the Middle East, in climate change, and in trade agreements. Well, as we have a European army rising, not only just with the mix of NATO, but actual European Union army rising. Um, in a time when the entire world is witnessing uh, chaos and witnessing war growing, this just kind of builds exactly into what Brian was talking about with the rise of these nations coming out of here as well. We don't know who's going to be the head of this European army, but we can see how it's developing and we can see from the lineage who it could be. And I think Brian is definitely onto that. Now, to kind of go back into more of a financial aspect, we have a lot of things that happened um, with the market here recently and was happening with the maneuvering of assets. Um, now, we know that um, the retail numbers have been tanking drastically. Uh, retailers have been filed for bankruptcy. We have uh, numerous ones that, that have come out here recently. I think Joe Scrapshack is looking to file bankruptcy um, along with uh, a, a couple others are going as well. I mean, it's to the point that um, right now there is um, 22 finan uh, financial companies, basically, they're, uh, they're looking to uh, go bankrupt, and which is more than 19 that they had in 2008. Um, and they anticipated growing in the next 12 to 18 months. Well, so as these businesses continue to struggle and continue to uh, kind of go belly up, the, the problem we're going to have is in real estate. Uh, we already know that malls are kind of becoming a dinosaur, that people don't necessarily go to malls like they used to. Uh, they're shopping online or whatever it may be. Well, all that commercial real estate is being affected. Um, as stores, you know, no longer able to uh, rent, you know, the, the space, then they pull out and then the owner of the, of the retail space has to then you know, bring up the prices for everyone else to compensate for their losses until they can rent that space. Well, if companies are shutting down, well, then that corporate space cannot be rented, which means then the corporate real estate market tanks. And we're starting to see a precursor to that where a lot of the realtors, and this is actually from an article straight out of St. Louis uh, Post-Dispatch, um, talking about how realtor, real Retail outlook um, is that the tenants are looking to uh, make shorter leases. So they don't want to sign the long-term leases because they're not sure about their own stability. If they're going to be around long enough to actually hold on to the space. So we, we know that as the business is dropping down, as uh, corporate uh, real estate is, is dropping, 
uh, we're going to have a massive hit on the housing market as well, um, which is very symbolic of what happened in 2008 and very interesting to that as well. So they have to somehow keep that afloat. But the problem is, I mean, a report came out here in the last week talking about how credit card defaults have surged uh, to the point that it's uh, the default rate in the United States for credit cards has increased 13% from last year. And that there's been a steep increase in credit card charge-offs from the first quarter of 2017 and also the fourth quarter of 2016. And this is the largest charge-off since 2009. So in other words, the American public has used their credit cards to the point that they can't pay for them anymore and they're not paying their bills. And so the credit card companies are having to write it off. Um, and it goes on, it says, you know, that basically the U.S. bank senior uh, loans, they did a survey on them. And with the survey, they're actually finding out uh, that there's weakening underwriting standards. Um, plus, then demand for credit cards and auto loans are dropping. So what that means is that basically they, after the financial crisis, they, the Dodd-Frank, uh, they put in all these uh, requirements. So that way the banks could not lend uh, to at-risk individuals, you know, so that way this didn't happen again. Well, through the last, you know, 10 years or eight years or whatever it may be, they have slowly been loosening those underwriting standards and they've been writing uh, loans to people that shouldn't necessarily get loans. And that has caused the increase in housing, the increase in cars, the, you know, all those markets went up. Anything that had a loan, those markets went up. Well, now the demand is tanking but they've already used the tool to open it up to allow more people to borrow. So they're in a, this, this struggle to try to keep everything coming up. And we know from last week, they actually changed the way that the FICA score is actually going to be registered. So a large portion of the American public, their credit score is going to rise, which means that they'll be able to get more loans, which means they can go and borrow money and go out and spend things. And the reason that we have to do that is because the banks are in serious trouble. Uh, so far in 2017, the banks have, the central banks have spent $1.5 trillion on their own stock, just keeping their own stock afloat. So that way it gives the illusion that the stock market re is recovering. And this is not normal. This is not something that they do on this kind of scale. You know, a lot of times they did a stock buyback and it's just to, you know, because they felt that their stock price was underpriced. In, in this instance, they're actually using the money they're making to buy the stock to increase the stock. So that way the general public will continue buying the stock. But it's it's artificial. It's not real. So they have to somehow get the, the public to start buying more. And we can see with this, the, the house just passing a bill to reverse Dodd-Frank uh, this last week. Uh, they actually actually passed this. Um, it has a chance that it may not get through the Senate, but it's a pretty good choice. It's probably going to. Now, the, the big thing is, is by repealing this, it's, this is put in place uh, to where, um, which prevents the government uh, insured banks from making risky bets with investments. And would also scrap a requirement uh, which uh, goes into effect um, on Friday that uh, retirement advisors have to put their clients' interests ahead of their own. So basically, they repealed Dodd-Frank, 
a couple of days before a law comes into effect that financial brokers have to have your benefits in their mind instead of their own when they invest your money. So now they repealed Dodd-Frank. They don't have to do that, <laughs> which you would think that that'd be something that they would should do regardless. Um, and then it allows the banks to start investing into these risky assets. So basically they have to increase the credit score because they can't loan to anyone. Now they're going to allow the banks to loan to people that shouldn't have the ability to borrow money or companies that shouldn't be able to borrow money as well. And the reason that they're, they're having this issue is because all over the place, they're having these small banks that are struggling. They're, they're not able to borrow money that they need to because they're being classified as a risky asset. And so then these banks are starting to cave. And, and if these smaller banks start to cave, then the bigger banks will somehow either have to uh, take them over or all the people that actually had their money in these banks are going to have a serious issue ahead of themselves. And we can kind of see what, what part of the plan is. From the United States standpoint, they're going to plan on just allowing the banks, instead of buying their own stock, to then invest in all these risky assets, whatever assets they believe so, for their own benefit, not for the benefit of their investors or the benefit of their stockholders or the benefit of anyone that's investing money with them. It's only for their own benefit. And they're going to just reinflate every bubble that they could. That's what they did in 2008. The derivative market was basically so complex that the regulators could not regulate them because they didn't know what the derivatives were. When you take off the, the regulations, that's what the banking system becomes. It's a very complex system that unless you're in the midst of it, you have really no idea what is going on. And this is going to develop again. So, I mean, we talked about how prices in the United States are going to rise drastically. Well, if everyone has the ability to buy a house or everyone has the ability to buy a car because they loosen up credit and allow people to start borrowing, you're going to have all this money flow into the system, which is going to cause inflation, which is going to cause the prices of everything to go up. And we can see this is exactly what's happening. Now, the Europeans are taking a different approach. We have the Spanish bank Popular that was in such financial distress that they did not have the ability to borrow money. They no longer were able to borrow money from other banks and they are running out of their own cash. Their investor saw this, was pulling all their money out of the bank and selling their stock to where the stock dropped more than half in less than a week. And they basically said that this bank is not going to be able to survive whatsoever. So what did the Europeans do? They allowed this bank, which has 11,000 employees, to be bought for one euro. Not one euro per share, or not one euro per person that works there, just one dollar, one euro. A multi-million dollar bank for a buck. And their whole plan is to have the, this bank that purchased them, Banco Santander, to just assimilate all the losses that this bank has of Popular. 
So basically, they're going to pass on all of the losses from this bank that is failing that cannot be supported to all of the people that have their money in a different bank or have their investments in a different bank. They had no association. This, this bank, Santander, is actually a specialist in getting banks or companies that are failing and, and helping them. But they didn't have the ability to do due diligence to actually look and see if this is a good investment strategy or that they actually want to buy it. They had less than one day to pull the trigger to buy a company for a buck and inherit the billions of dollars with the losses that Popular had. Popular alone lost 3.5 billion euros last year. So no bank in their right mind would pay more than a buck for a company that's losing $3.5 billion a year. But that's the state of our banking system. That's the state of the European banking system. They have banks that are losing $3.5 billion a year that are worth a buck. And that is where we're headed. That is where we're headed in a nutshell. You talk about a, a, a financial collapse. You talk about crisis happening. Well, I don't think it's no longer happening. I think it's here. We, we have banks in Italy in the same situation. We have banks in Greece in the same situation. We know that the UK, their economy is tanking. And who is stepping in? But China. I mean, we have China talking to the state of California to make agreements so that way they can continue saving the planet and doing the climate control measures. A foreign government making agreements with a state to bypass the government of the United States. This is a slippery, slippery slope that is going to lead to it's going to lead to a lot of crazy stuff. So thank you guys for letting me put that little tidbit in. Um, I'll hand it back over to you, Matthew. Well, it's going to lead to revolution. I mean, let's not mince words here. Ladies and gentlemen, a state, and I do mean any state, is prohibited with signing treaties of a foreign country. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, that's a no-brainer. I mean, there's there's things going on that's that's just way off the charts. You know, it's going on. Oh my goodness, this is released uh, June the sixth. High-level panel discussion on our outer space treaty that's been in place for fifty years. U.S. lawmakers are seeking to review the Outer Space Treaty. Nobody thought to look at that, did you? Well, you need to look into it. Uh, This 50-year-old Outer Space uh, Treaty. Here's another headline. Outer Space Treaty, another one for Trump to dump. Of course, this treaty was made when? Why do I keep saying this? 1967. That's when this treaty was made. And I got another good one for you. Does anybody know that there is 26th Space Aggressor Squadron? 
the United States Air Force. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not joking. It's the 26th Space Aggressor Squadron of the United States Air Force. It is uh, designed not to take on ETs. No, 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 no. This is already put in place. I mean, it's 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 active, ladies and gentlemen. This is, ladies and gentlemen, this is real. It is for the illicit purpose of nations engaging in combat via space. Space vehicles. One nation performing orbital bombardment upon another nation. And it's amazing how the conspiracy theorists don't even talk about this. When this treaty, (laughs) signed in 1967, the feeling in Washington, D.C. is this this treaty needs to be scrapped, and nobody even realizes that we already uh, have a United States Air Force squadron assigned to this task. Ladies and gentlemen. Whew. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's all I can say. That's all we can do here on the End Time Tribune. Is show you from the news of this week exactly how God is going to execute his judgment on the rebellious. That's all we can really do. Ladies and gentlemen, you can Find Clinton at clintoncowatch.com. That's spelt with a K. Brian, of course, on the Bands of Time. Uh, he's got that brand new format format going on. Uh, been posting uh, stuff over there left and right this week. Yeah, Brian? actually, overt, overt attention, attention, a t t e n t i o n show. dot com. That's the new format I'm under now. Right. I was getting ready to say that. What, you thought I was going to say it wrong? Well, you're probably right. I was. I did forget to uh, have Clinton come back on after break. And myself, (laughs) uh, you probably don't want to find me anyway. I'm boring. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Please think about such things, and please think about what's coming. It is going to come like a flood. It really is. That's what he said. Are you going to sink? Are you going to swim? Or are you going to tread water? Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed.